let me pose it to a question to you, Gina. You ever put two brilliant people in a room? Yep. I mean, every time you come into Bungalow and watch me and Rich talk, you just see. <laughs> <laughs> Talking with managing partner Gina Trapani is joining us remote from an undisclosed location in Brooklyn, New York. Hello. Richard is here as well. Richard? Yeah, I am here as well. How are you guys? Getting used to the new Yeah, normal. looking at your little little squares of video of your faces talking to me while we do this, which is not how we usually do this. We usually do this in a little room at the office. I spent some time, I organized my office a little bit, I put some art behind me, and I spent a lot of time getting the color right so that my face doesn't look like a bleached out sort of Your lighting mess. is so good. It's so good, Paul. You have a nice, soft, natural light on the on the right side of your face. It's giving, giving yeah, that it's depth. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, you know what? I'm selling services, <laughs> and I feel like if I'm going to be asking people for, for genuinely hundreds of thousands of dollars in the middle of a pandemic, you can't do it in like a basement. Like you have to look expensive. Or at least like your corn, you know. You are you, are you saying that because I'm in my basement? <laughs> it's it's okay. No, but now, yeah. I, I am, I am <laughs> wow. actually in my basement, but that's okay. Well, you know, you're not in sales anymore, Gina. So <laughs> everything's, everything's good. Fine. Yeah, somebody tweeted every every Zoom call feels like a you know an episode of MTV Cribs. You're sort of looking in on people's spaces and what do they got going on in there? What kind of bookshelf is that? What kind of art you got going on? It's kind of just the new reality. You're in people's homes. You're beaming into people's homes during the the business day. Like it was kind of, you know, it felt like the balloon went up. We all had to get home and make our offices as quickly as possible. Richard on day zero, like was like, you can't sell if people can see your bed like that. So that was like, first thing I had to do was turn my desk uh, 90 degrees and looked out the window. Then you got upset because it was too bright and it showed my, my old curtains. So finally I've rotated it. We're now at 270 degrees. Oh no, this is, this is going to make the difference for Postlight. I have no doubt in my mind. Frankly, th- this is like 30% more sales completion. Oh, yeah. We could, we could sell thing. an extra chunk of strategic, like a, str- a strategy phase can be added on just by you turning your computer around. I have to say I can feel it. You know what else I'm noticing is that the need, I've been spending a lot of time researching live streaming environments because the need for more complicated presentation and to have visuals has gone up like tenfold. There's this assumption that we're all going to talk on Zoom and see each other's faces or use Google Meet or whatever. But what I'm finding is like, I need tools to quickly make diagrams, sketch them, share words. Like, it's not just a deck. Like, it needs to be kind of interactive as if you were going to a whiteboard. I think the thing that is hardest to reconcile, I'm trying to compare this to, imagine you had an in-person meeting and the person, every single person you met didn't just show up themselves so you could look into their own eyes, but they held a monitor next to their heads. And you had total control over that monitor so you can go to any website you wanted so that as soon as that person became uninteresting to you, you could just surf the web and look at the monitor immediately to the right of their heads. This is every video conference call, right? Unless you are absolutely captivating. They have moved on and they are looking at uh, breakfast nooks to buy from uh, West Elm. <laughs> they are reading a long form piece out of the Atlantic about what this is going to mean for us in 10 years. They're done with you. 
We're competing for attention in a way that we don't have. You know what, dude? Maybe this is how it should be. Maybe every person I meet has a little entertaining monkey on their shoulder so that as soon as they become unappealing or uninteresting to me, I could just play with the monkey. Well, you know, this is what I'm talking about with live streaming. Like, I think that that's the... There are all these tools that the Twitch people use where it's like... You don't just put your face in or the or just the game, right? You can also stream a browser, add text, put images over it, move audio from different places. So your whole computer is like a mixing board where you're trying to get as much signal and stimulus over to the the viewer. Well, it's it's bizarre, right? I mean, because you, you're competing with the rest of the rest of the desktop, the rest of the world, the rest of the internet is like it's just me in a little box, and then all around me is anything you want. Like, imagine you could take me and and say, hey, I need to talk to you. Let's go to the mall. So in case I become unappealing or uninteresting at any point, you could just run into any store you like. So just let's do that. Honestly, doesn't that characterize our entire relationship, though? <laughs> it it kind of does. It kind of does. And, and Yeah. I mean, it's like, I love you very much, but when we spend time together, it's like, we've heard all the stories before. We usually need a little something else going on. I feel like people are, are not hiding it as much too. I feel like we have someone at Postlight who clearly isn't looking at the damn camera. He's got like two monitors or three and, and you know, he's got one ear, like, you know, he's giving you about 30, 40% of your bandwidth, his bandwidth, the information's going in, but he's clearly doing something else and he's not even hiding it. Like he's fine with that. And maybe that is the new thing. We don't look at each other anymore because we're all going to compete with the rest of the screen. I mean, that's that's just reality. Is it any different though than sitting in a conference room with people on their laptops or looking at their phones? Like it's, it's that's actually point. not that different. I mean, there's some social, you know, mores around tr- trying to at least make eye contact a little bit in the conference room, but it's, it's not too different. It's funny, you know, there are times when we've said like, no, you know, no laptop meetings or we have, you know, one of our partners, Jeremy, he's remote yeah. all the time. And one of his great tips was like, like if you're on a long call and you feel yourself drifting off, like start taking notes because that engages you. And, you know, it's funny. There have been times when like I've said to somebody, hey, could you you know put the laptop down? Or someone said to me like, hey, Gina, can you stop typing? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm taking notes. You know, so you, yeah. you actually don't know what the person is doing. But I have to say, I agree with you that and this is a great piece of feedback that you gave us a client team that we're working on right now, Rich, which was like we're doing this this presentation to a client next week or this week, actually. And you were like, you are competing with kids in the background and other tabs and and three other screens. And, you know, it's it's hard to be dialed in. You got to make it super punchy and really entertaining and just uh, embrace yeah. the fact that you are responsible yeah. for holding these folks' attention in a way that you just weren't before when people were in the conference room and you were on the giant screen and everybody's only job was to be looking at the screen. I mean, I think everybody's being very forgiving right now, but that is not in client services. That's a very dangerous thing to lean back into. Right. Oh, yeah. Like you don't want a meeting where they're like, oh, well, you know, everybody's going through it. Like we're all dealing with this reality. But if you can if you can make the diagram, put up the stuff, increase the sort of like vibrancy, everybody is going to really appreciate that because they're all sitting there looking at people just talk on their screen. Yeah. Also, I don't know if we can be in any more of a maximum distraction state than we are in at the moment. It's hard to compete with it. I think the only other thing I can think of is there is a moment twice a year or maybe more like once a year when the Apple keynote descends upon the offices of Postlight. Full stop. Full stop. Full stop. And we are... It's like a mental pandemic. (laughs) 
It's like, I'm a, it's not that different, right? Except it's only for three hours. It just, I, I feel like what- No, it's for like seven hours sometimes now, like seven hours. I don't know how the hell Apple can put people on, on stage for that long. It's like, it's probably in violation of OSHA <laughs> guidelines, but- <laughs> I mean, we God. are in the middle of a six week to 12 week Apple keynote right now. Everyone is, incre- so you're competing with that. And if you think you can show up with like 20 bullets- and a lot of details and all sorts of nuance, good luck. It's just hard to do. It's not a matter of being, and this is not just purely in a sales context. This is just communication. I mean, this is just, I'm having a hard time right now asserting myself, like really creating a sense of, okay, uh, we should have something ready next week. Well, we should give listeners some context here. Like Rich creates urgency as the president of the company and as the leader and sort of driver of our most complicated engagements. He is that kind of boss where you know you're going to go in there and it might not be good news. That's okay because this is this sort of like high stakes stuff. We'd make a joke out of, about it because our office, you know, our, the, the sort of leader's office is called Bungalow. And it's, can, do you have a minute? Do you have a minute? Can, can you come into Bungalow? And you don't know what's going to happen on the other <laughs> it's side. It's true. It's really right? true. And that that is... But that is, and, Wait, and also, like, I'm going to stop this, <laughs> right? I'm mocking you gently. No, but that is every serious, every serious executive engagement leader I have ever worked with does this. It's universal, and if you think that it's bad, you should not be in agency world because it is freaking universal. It's somebody going like, "Did you think about this?" And your job is to think about the ten things that somebody didn't think about. They thought about five. Well, you're, you're getting people ready, right? Most of what right. we do is getting them ready for the rest of the world. And I'm going to pose this question to each of you. You know, I have immense respect for both of you. In fact, I, I think your ability to corral people and get them excited and motivated and aligned is very impressive. I have more of a blunt force approach to it than you guys do. But isn't that how companies work? How else do we work other than creating urgency? Don't you create urgency? Isn't that what it is? You need both, right? You need, there's that famous quote about, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? Like you need a culture where people are able to do things on their own. But as the most experienced person and as the business owner and leader, you're going to see more risk than almost anyone else in the org. And your job is to translate that into actual urgent action points. And then people learn as they go. Yeah. That's true. So let me ask you guys this. In this environment, in this climate, and let's put aside the news right now in the pandemic, but just the way we're working together, how do you line people up? Is it deadlines? I got to say, the thing that helps me the most right now is a commitment we made to someone outside of Postlight. Because if that, there's going to be a demo on Thursday. There's going to be a demo on Thursday. And I don't have to, with kid gloves, walk up to someone and say, could you, would you mind having something ready for me by Wednesday? Because... I really would like to see something, right? Instead, we've made a commitment. But other than that, how do you get people to, I keep using the word align, but align, like just. Have you guys watched Cheer on Netflix? No. I saw the first hour of it, but then I moved on to Tiger King. So Cheer is a documentary series about this cheerleading team in Texas. And there's this amazing coach. Her name is Monica Aldama, right? And they've got this performance that they're going to do. It's like the na- cheer cheerleading nationals in Miami Beach at, at like some date, right? So she's got these, you know, 20, she's actually got 40 college-age students, but 20 of them are actually going to make the team and do this performance. And they've got to do this like incredibly 
complicated, complex move, the pyramid, right? Where like all 20 of them. This is the kind of cheerleading where they like they throw, throw them 20, 20 feet, feet in the air. air and everything yeah. has to hit perfectly or someone gets hurt and you lose. This is an insanely competitive world. Like people yes. think it's like, oh, they're just cheering on the side. No, it's hardcore. Incredibly athletic and competitive. But this woman, I had a lot of different feelings about her. But the, but the one thing that was amazing to see was that she sort of was able to lead this team. She's like the winningest cheerleading coach, you know, in, in the world. She led this team with both sort of like fear and love. So she would make the team hit the pyramid. They'd have to do what's called a full out, which is like the whole routine start to finish. She, she made them do it 41 times. So her whole thing was... You're going to do this until you get it right, and then you're going to do it until you can't get it wrong. And so I bring her up only just because her management style, like the students, like I should call them kids. I mean, they're, they're college students. They love her. They would take a bullet for her. They say those words. They just want so desperately to please her. She is like, she is the ultimate of like who they want to be and who they want to make happy. But at the same time, this woman will cut you. She will take, she will pull you off that mat. So it's so funny because, I mean, a very different thing than the cheerleading routine. But, you know, we were prepping this this presentation to a client. And like you said, we're competing against, you know, other people's attention. And we didn't have it together. And I was like, listen, we got to do it again. We got to do it till we get it right. And I think that that's it creates urgency, but it also... To clarify, Gina, you we presented internally. We presented internally. It right. went kind of okay. We were sort of... Model. It was a little muddled. There was a lot of work there, but it, it just was the presentation. We didn't hit rough. it. The handoffs weren't right. We didn't, you know, the the script wasn't right. It was still really rough, right? It was still a work in progress, and we had plenty of time we, that we presented internally and realized, oh, we don't really have this together. But you just have to be like, we're going to do it again, and we got to hit our mark. So I, I sort of, I had to. We actually had to sort of, I felt like I had to channel my inner Monica because it was just like, you got to get this right. And I think there's like creating fear and urgency of like, I expect you to have this and it better be good by Friday. And then there's just sort of rallying like, hey, we're, we're showing the world. We're doing a performance. We got to get this right. This is about pride and this is about quality. And this is about leading by example and showing our clients that they you know are absolutely thrilled that they have us on their side. And I think that there's a subtle like difference there. Well, I think for two weeks we've been saying it's good enough to show up. Literally those words. I've said those words. However you are doing, it's okay. But that won't sustain. Accountability comes back in. And what I think is, look, we have a team that wants to be accountable. People are, you know, people apologize for their kids making noise or their dog jumping into the frame. Like, that's not what we're looking for, right? All we're looking for is that communication and that shared understanding of the accountability. The most important thing actually, is not that a person hits the deadline. It's that they're completely clear about where they are and what they are capable of doing because then we can move things around so that the deadline gets hit. It's not that one specific human. That's the culture of accountability that we need because no one can get to 110% right now. Nobody can be like, I'm going to just double down because who the hell knows where they're at? We don't know. We just don't have the clarity. And you can't read the room. There's no room to read. And that is really hard. You can't tell who's nervous or not or or where they're at or if they have a weird cough right now and they're starting to freak out. Like, it's not clear where people are at in a way that I used to feel was kind of like, oh, God, we have a lot of young employees and it's really hard to parse all their feelings. And now that has just spread everywhere. Like, we're all feeling underwater and our family lives are complicated and stuff is intense but we can't we got to be accountable i think we've also lost something here and it's like yeah it's great there's tech and we can have a wall of heads and use zoom and all that 
but the informality of corralling a handful of people to gather, to get in a room, to quickly prioritize against anything else and say, oh, drop that for a minute. We got to get in a room and get this to be in a better place is nearly impossible right now, right? Like I've, I'm hesitant. I've done it a couple of times last week. I gave people a hangout link. I was like, I need to talk to you. And I just gave them the link and they didn't know what it was. It was my equivalent of like, can I, you have a second, but it wasn't anything other than me just wanting to talk to someone. And it felt weird to make a phone call. I'll be <laughs> I have their cell yeah. number. Yeah, no, no, no. I wasn't going to do that. So I was like, "Do you have? if you have a minute, here's the link. And they say, give me five minutes and then we'll talk. Right now, Zoom and any of these other tools are tied to calendar, which is sort of a respect you're giving to other people's time, which is like, I'm going to give you mm-hmm. a heads up and I'm going to find that open slot. Sometimes I just need to come over to you and talk to you. And that's all I'm looking for. And that doesn't exist right now in the work environment. That's considered pushy or aggressive, I think. But it's not if you guys could just walk over to, to you know, David or, or Sally and say, I have a thought about that thing. I have an idea I want to share with you. <laughs> this is real, right? Like maybe it's time to make the Google Meet invite that's your name, like, you know, meet.com slash Paul Ford. That's kind of always there that people come in and out and like you stay on it for a little while. Like you're doing some work, but the meet's there and you're kind of bringing people in and out through the meeting just in the way that we would, we would do with a conference. Room. I mean, yeah. And it's, it's almost like, I don't know what they call it. It's sort of like when a teacher has like, you know, an open visits period of time, what is that called? Office hours. Office hours. Office hours. We all have office hours when we're at our desks and our headphones aren't up. We walk over to each other and we talk to each other. I'm not going to walk in on a meeting Unless it's an emergency. Uh, the difference is, as a leader, you tend to tell everyone else what their office hours will be and that they're going to come visit right. with you, right? Look, these dynamics aren't going to change. They're just not going to change. What I'm wondering, I'm curious what you guys think. Where does this go? Does this go where you're kind of online? When you're sitting at your computer, your camera's on and there's like a little picture of your head and people are kind of dipping in and out and coming and talking to you virtually through some like zoom room style interface or does this move towards like we're creating more documents and transcripts and if you can't get somebody into the hangout that's okay because we have these artifacts and these things to hand over to them like are we building knowledge on the latter case or is it just we're going to find ways to be ambiently available in the former and kind of simulate office culture isn't being ambiently available basically slack i mean like wouldn't you just you know shoot somebody a slack i mean i get that there's a difference between video and audio slack is low bandwidth though really low bandwidth compared to here i am to talk to you about things relatively quickly I guess so. It's funny. I, you know, I ran Lifehacker for four years. We had a, we had an editorial staff. I think that we were up to, up to eight or 10. We interacted at that time. It was campfire, but we interacted entirely uh, on campfire. I, I could count the number of times that we did voice calls. Like we would go weeks with just text, but of course, I mean, it was a magazine and we were all orienting around pieces of text that we were publishing and we were all writers. That's a thing. You knew what, you knew what your deliverables right. were. Your, our deliverables are people changing their attitudes towards problems. Right, <laughs> which are very, very different. It's very hard to type that yeah. out. I need person X to start seeing the world this way in order to cut the delivery risk of something eight months from now. Is <laughs> right. very, like, I can type that to you in Slack. I can type it to Rich in Slack, but 
then what? Right, right. But isn't Slack the like, hey, do you have a minute? Can you talk? Like, isn't that the equivalent of like sort of walking over to someone's desk? I'm defending. I think it's really ambiguous. Yeah. I don't think we really have great answers here. Like, I don't think that is Slack. I think Slack is both where the work happens and where coordination happens for other work. I, I want to draw a chart on a podcast right now, visually in your heads. I'm going to put the cutoff point aggressively at four people. At four people, there is maximum synchronicity between those people. It's the small team. You don't need a project manager when you have four people because that those four people, there's not enough voices in the room such that the noise is highly valuable all the time. Um, like I'm, think, I'm talking about the product manager, designer, engineer, front end, engineer, back end. Let's just use that as an example. The one pizza team. The one pizza team, if you like. That team, that Slack channel, there is so little fat in there. It's all muscle. It's all high quality communication because there isn't that additional actor who is going and asking person A, if they've given that artifact to person B. You don't need it because A and B are just talking to each other, right? I'll give you an example. Our sales channel has three people in it. And every morning a bot says, where are we today? Everybody kind of does the same bullet points. And then we create little threads for active phone calls where we can keep notes and link to Google Docs. That's about it. So let's keep going with that chart. And the y-axis in the chart is noise. And up to four people, it's at zero. It's just zero, one, two, three, four. Going to the right, it doesn't go up at all. When you go from five people to 15, the noise level starts to increase and the coordination starts to decrease and the orchestration level starts to decrease. So what do you end up doing? You end up bringing in these additional actors. Their job is just to make sure communication is happening in the best way possible amongst the key contributors. Well, the actors could be people and they could also be software. It could be people, it could be, exactly. The project manager is making sure that actor, those actors, those key contributors are moving things along, right? And prioritizing and making sure it's running as efficiently as possible. But already you're paying a tax. The tax is being paid. There's no way around it. Why? Because there's another human being. There's another human being that is in the middle of the picture, that is adding information, that is reinterpreting something someone said to someone else. Now, let's keep going, right? And you go to over 15 people around anything. You know, I'm looking at the news nowadays and people are just, they're pouncing on, you know, obviously there's a lot of urgency around getting, you know, certain medical equipment and masks and all this stuff. The hundreds of people that have to align on this chart For this thing to come together, like if it's a piece of equipment that has parts from 25 other manufacturers that all have to line up so that the parts come in at certain times and meet certain quality standards, and then the assembly line can go and put those things together. That is a process nightmare. That's a communication nightmare, right? And what we are finding now is that there is an additional tax, which is we cannot be around each other, right? What we've taken for granted, which are the ability to shortcut all of the traditional tools and go over to people and talk to them. That's or, right. And that's gather right. them. That, that's, it's not in our hands at the moment, right? Can I tell you my cruel, impolite formulation? Every individual you add to a group subtracts about two IQ points. Okay, so let's say we start <laughs> nice. We're about, you know, 120 plus. <laughs> and then you add a group of, no, a group of four, very, still very smart. Very smart. Group of 10, 
We just went down by 20. Group of 20, now we're in trouble. You take a really, really big group, like like American democracy, 300 million people, it's roughly negative six, 600 <laughs> million IQ points. <laughs> why? Tell me. That's how we end up in this situation. <laughs> tell me why that happens. So, tell me why the, 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 it gets subtra- subtracted. Here's the real reason why. Every Disciplines are wonderful. We're an interdisciplinary company, but when you are in a discipline, it's one of the reasons I think the transition to management, and I, I think you felt this too, but for me, like getting out of engineering and out of journalism and out of all the different things that I was in, as an, even as an interdisciplinary person, and being like this sort of general purpose manager, marketer type of human has been really hard because I don't have a common body of knowledge and I have to translate all of my thoughts to people operating in those different disciplines. And it's a little isolating and it's a lot, it's a lot to work through. I think you add these groups together and the cost of communication is extremely high. It's lower when there's people looking each other in the face, which is why we're actually doing this on a video call right now instead of just as a kind of weird pseudo conference call. I feel that like when you put people together, there's so much work spent communicating. And I'll tell you where I know this. When I write for a general audience, I'm sure you've had this experience too, or when we market Postly, it has to be so simple that it actually, if you're not a person who does this for a living and you don't have this job, it seems really stupid. Like, it seems like, wow, you know, you've missed all the subtlety and wonder of design or engineering or product management. The thing you're saying is just like primitive and commercial and, and kind of disgusting. I yeah. hate it. And I look, I have to look people in the eye and kind of be like, that's as much of the story as we can tell. We can be truthful and we can market ourselves with a big smile. But if I actually tell them about the thing that you think is the most important thing in the world, I will lose their attention like that. Just yeah. snap. That's the IQ points. I see. Down. The communication has to become more blunt and more dumbed down a little bit. Or like this, these are the three bullet points. Go to the appendix to dive deeper. This is about alignment. Aligning is getting harder right now in, in a remote environment. There's just, there's no way around it. The other thing that helps with alignment is agreed upon protocols, right? Like the, the, the truth is APIs do this. APIs effectively eliminate collaboration. They they minimize the need to coordinate and collaborate. Essentially, what they say is, here is my contract. If you adhere to these rules, you can go do something wonderful on top of what I have done without ever talking. You know what the API is? I mean, this goes back to what Gina was saying earlier, and there's something really important when we were talking about that demo talk that didn't go so well. The script the agenda, the care, the outline, like who's doing what at what time yeah. is the API for the conversation that we're all having. Mm-hmm. Like unscripted is really bad right now if you're trying to get something yes. done. Uh, I'm going to pitch a tool. I'm hating all the tools, but I love all the tools. So I'm going to pitch a tool, even though I'm reluctantly been using it, it actually tries to do what you just described. It's called Navigator. I think it's available. Everybody loves it's it. It's available on navigator.com. What it does is it's an agenda for the meeting. Like you have to go down the punch list in the agenda. It's not notes. Usually there's that box you get when you do a calendar invite and you sort of dump what's in your mind and why that meeting's happening. This thing actually formalizes the steps and creates more structure around what you were trying to get done. Could I use it to pitch a client? Could I use it to organize like I like I'm going to pitch the client using this method? I would I w- you could use it for yourself. I wouldn't put it in front of a prospect mainly because No, yes. I get that. I get, but like as a scripting yeah, tool. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could. Absolutely. It's because it's putting guardrails on the conversation and saying you better make sure you cover these five points in this meeting otherwise you, the meeting is going to fall short, right? 
the magical thing with that navigator that happened to me. So, so you collect, you share this agenda. It's a shared agenda. So if say I have a one-on-one with someone and I'm like, I need to talk to you about these four things. And if that person sees that agenda ahead of time, they can respond. I've had meeting agenda items resolved before the meeting even happened, which makes the meeting shorter. So like it actually, it's a really nice thing to, to do. When, when there's, I mean, a clear meeting agenda is meetings 101. Nobody ever does Interesting. it or shares it. Rarely do people share it beforehand. I often show up at meetings with my own bullets, but I haven't shared them yet. But sharing them ahead of time just means that everyone's more prepared and ready to discuss the item. All right. So the goal, it's the goal and the structure. So it's not the little yeah. head that's always on where you can kind of go in and it's like a pretend virtual office. It's not second life with video. And it's not, we're going to build some new knowledge base and we're going to, you know, create the ultimate wiki of Postlight. But rather it's, we're going to script our interactions, but continue to interact in in sort of we're going to add a little formality here and and add a little structure. I think that's what it is. It's structure, right? Uh, right now, here's how every one of my calls is starting. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you dead? Okay, let's talk about the project. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. We need I, a better way to say, how are you? Sales is so it surreal right now. <laughs> Selling services. Just read him a poem to start the meeting. <laughs> I, I'm just sort of like, I mean, because you're just like, hey... Well, I'm literally, what I've started doing is just saying, like, I think we can skip the eight minutes where we all talk about the fact that we're living through the worst and most bizarre time of our lives. And everyone that's laughs. A good, that's a, actually a good way. A, a close friend of mine and I developed a new how are you, which is rate your existential dread from one to five today. Like, where, where is your existential dread? You can't do that, obviously, with a prospect and you can't really even do it with a, with a coworker. But there's a better it's, it's good to just acknowledge it. And then move on. Look, I mean, we, we sat down saying, should we talk about the pandemic? And we've mostly talked about the ways and patterns of, of remote work, but it's hovering in the background of this entire podcast. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's a muddled time and we're trying to add some order here. Like, what are we telling people to do as they are making their digital way through this new reality? I think we're saying, look, the small talk's going to happen. People have their houses. That's their background right now. It's like the kitchen and, and the dining room table and whatever. But we are trying to work. I think giving these conversations structure. Sure, ask everyone how they're doing, but give them structure. Give them purpose. And if they run short, God, that's a gift for everyone. If you got through the list of things you wanted to cover and know what to do next, and you can end that meeting 11 minutes early, that's a wonderful thing. I think everybody appreciates that. And... I think that's it. I think I think that's a good baby step here because it's just harder than real life right now. So Gina, Navigator gets ranked. I like Navigator a lot. I mean, I mean, I think for me, the big takeaway is I think you have to know the things that you can talk about asynchronously or on Slack or in a document and the things that you just got to hop on a call. And it doesn't always have to be a video call looking at your house, although sometimes it can be. But, you know, accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, that the remote work version is like, <laughs> you know, know the things that I can do mm -hmm. asynchronously and know the things that I've got to like hop on a call. And, and like Rich said, exactly. If you can do stuff before the meeting and end it early, that that is it's a beautiful thing. Don't be embarrassed to ask people to get on a call. Uh, and if yeah. someone asks you to get on a call, don't think it's the worst thing in the world. They just want to talk to you. It's hard to just talk to someone right now. That is real. That is real. All right. Well, it's not hard to talk to you guys. And it's also not hard to talk to... Po okay, I'm not even going to try. But hello <laughs> at postlight.com if you need us. Yes, we're a digital product studio here in New York. We're also answering any questions you have about just about anything at hello at postlight.com. Have a wonderful yep, week. Our mission doesn't change. We're here to be helpful. Yep, have sure a great week. Stay touch. safe. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.